Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. Amen. May be seated. Praise God. Well, yesterday we gathered with dozens of churches. Um, there were probably 150 to 175 leaders, and we trained them getting ready for Hope Day. We're getting ready for Hope Day again. You say, wow, it just rolled around. And uh, actually, last year, we reached out to 16,067 people. And this year, our goal is to have 25 sites all over the place, uh, demonstrating the love of Jesus in a very practical way. Would you pray for us that the Lord would really grant us grace as we work with all these different leaders? It's amazing what the Lord is doing, and uh, we're thankful for that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Everybody say joy. For you are receiving the end Result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, this morning, I want to continue to talk about loss. Some things get lost along the way. And so far, we have discovered that the church of Jesus Christ has lost its fire, and we need the passion and the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives again. Last week, we talked about lost identity, how sometimes because of the problems of our life, sometimes because the enemy deceives us and lies to us, we lose our sense of identity, who we are in Christ Jesus. That is so critical in our life to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. This morning, I want to talk to you once again about losing something, some things that get lost along the way. Now, if you remember, Peter is actually speaking to a group of Jewish Christians, Jewish believers who had embraced Christ but now are facing incredible persecution. In fact, because they embraced Christ, they were kicked out of their homes. They were disowned by their family. Many of them were thrown in prison. And many of them, everything that they had were taken away from them. They were as poor as you can get. Now, remember, they weren't always poor. But now they're poor because the truth is they embraced Christ. 
And as a result of that, they are suffering incredible, intense persecution. In fact, Paul begins his letter by saying this, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatians, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so Peter is actually talking to a group of Christians that were Jewish and they were believers. And at the same time, they had been scattered all over the place because of great persecution. Remember, the persecution actually started in Jerusalem. The persecution started after the day of Pentecost. You know, the church was so excited about all that God was doing and went out into the streets and preached the gospel, made some people mad. They threw Peter into prison and they began to persecute the church. And as a result of that, the church was scattered and now they were refugees. They were outcasts. They had lost their inheritances that were rightfully theirs according to the Jewish customs and laws when it came to the natural. You see, in the Old Testament, children were given an inheritance, and the firstborn was really blessed because the firstborn would actually get a double portion of all of the inheritance. So if the father was about to die, he would call his children in and bless them one by one, and the firstborn would get the inheritance blessing, and that inheritance blessing would come with a double portion. So he would say, okay, to you, you get a little, you get a little, you get a little, and and to you, the firstborn, you get a double of everything. Not only that, but he became now the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He became the patriarch, and he was in charge now. He was the papa of the family, the firstborn. And we see that played out with Jacob and Esau. And very important, the Bible, listen to me, the Bible is a book of inheritance. The Bible is a book of blessing that is passed on, listen to me, from Adam all the way through Jesus Christ to us. It's a book of inheritance. It's a book of recognizing that we get blessed by God so that we can bless our children, so that they can bless their children, and so on, and so on, and so on. But no other story in the Bible depicts the blessing and inheritance more than the story of Jacob and Esau. You know the story from the very beginning. The Bible says that Jacob and Esau were actually twins. And the truth is Esau came out before Jacob, but there was a prophecy that was given that the younger would lord over the older, that the younger would actually get, listen to me, the firstborn blessing, the firstborn part of his inheritance. And so even though Esau would come out first, Esau would really give away his inheritance. You see, God knows all things. God knew that Esau was not going to protect his inheritance. God knew that Esau was actually going to sell his inheritance for just a little bowl of soup. And so God knew that Jacob would rule over Esau. So now we find that now they're young men. And the Bible says that Esau goes out and he goes hunting, comes back. He's hungry. Jacob wants his inheritance. Jacob understands. Listen to me. Jacob understands the power of inheritance. 
Jacob understands the blessing of God's inheritance. And Esau, he's so foolish that he, he trades away the power of the inheritance. I want you to know today that there's some Christians that don't understand the power of the inheritance. There's some Christians that are selling out and they're trading their inheritance for something that is so far below what God really wants for their life. Somebody help me out and say amen. They're losing the power of their inheritance. And the Bible says that Jacob understood that. And so when Esau came home and he understood the way that Esau worked, you see, Esau is a picture. Listen to me. Esau is always a picture of the flesh. Esau is a picture of a person who's dominated by his flesh, not dominated by the spirit. Jacob, on the other hand, is a picture of a young man who wants the blessing of God. Now, he needs to be worked on as well, but Jacob comes to the place of being a blessed man because he understands the blessing, the power of inheritance. And so now we see that Jacob is cooking some, you know what he's cooking, right? You know what he's cooking. Everybody know, right? What is he cooking? No, arroz con pollo. Come on, come on. And so he's cooking a pot of arroz con pollo. And uh, his brother comes in and he smells it. Mm. And Jacob says to Esau, are you hungry? Mm, I'm so hungry. He said, I'm so hungry that I'm starving to death. He wasn't starving to death. He had just eaten one hour before, you know. But that's just the way Esau was. He just wanted something. He's going to run after it, not understanding the consequences. So Jacob says, listen, if you want this, give me your inheritance. Give me your birthright. And Esau says, what does it matter to me? He says, I'm going to die, so you might as well have my birthright. And he sold his birthright. He gave it to Jacob. Could you imagine that? I mean, all of the riches that belonged to him, he was going to get a double portion. He was going to be the head of his home. He was going to be blessed beyond all of his brothers. He was going to be blessed beyond all of his relatives. And yet he sells out for one bowl of arroz campoyo. And the sad thing today is that there are Christians that are selling out their birthright. There are Christians that are giving away their inheritance because they don't understand the power of their inheritance. Now we're going we're to go a little bit further. And so now he's given away his birthright, but there's also a blessing. There's a birthright, there's an inheritance, but there's also a blessing. So he still could have gotten the blessing from Isaac. It's the firstborn blessing, different. And so now we find that once again, Jacob understands. His mother understands how powerful is the blessing, the inheritance and the blessing. And so they fool Isaac and you know the whole story about how Jacob goes into Isaac and he pretends that he is actually Esau and he steals the blessing of Esau. So now Jacob's got the blessing and he's got the inheritance. It's a powerful story. And so to the Jew, the inheritance and the birthright meant everything. But now these Jewish believers are stripped of their earthly inheritance. The truth is they're really poor now. They're outcasts, they're refugees, and they're disinherited from their families. And now, listen to me, 
Peter is reminding them of two things. He's reminding these persecuted Christians that number one, that they are a chosen people. We talked about that last week. They are a royal priesthood. We talked about that last week. They are a holy people and a possession that is for God. They belong to God. They're God's possession. They're the apple of God's eye. So even though in the natural they're poor, in the spiritual realm they are rich, and in the natural realm it's going to catch up to the spiritual realm, and one day, listen to me, they're going to receive a great inheritance from God. So God reminds them of two things. One, who they are in Christ and what they're going to get and what they already received in Christ Jesus. Somebody help me out today. And so he says, now I want you to know because of who you are, you have now become, listen to me, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. See, now they would receive the inheritance of the firstborn. Why? Because, listen, they became joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, listen, this is so powerful. Jesus becomes the firstborn among the living, right? So Jesus becomes the second Adam. When Christ created Adam and Eve, he created them so that he could bless them as the firstborn. Adam is the firstborn of all creation, right? But now Adam sins, he falls away from God, and he's cursed. He's separated from God. But the Bible says in Romans that now Jesus Christ becomes the second Adam. And as a result of that, he comes to this earth. He does his father's will. He lives a sinless life, a spotless life. He dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the father in glory. He becomes the firstborn amongst the living. In other words, he becomes the first in the line of becoming blessed by God. And the Bible says now in Romans, we are heirs of God. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, and the Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you might live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you your adoption papers. Listen to me. It brought you your sonship papers, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, listen to me, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share with his suffering in order that we might also share in his glory. So Paul reminds us that we're not slaves anymore. You know, the prodigal son, when he sinned against his father, he went back home and he said to the father, just make me a slave. But the father didn't treat him like a slave. He treated him like a son. And I want you to know there's going to be times when you fail God, when you sin, but you can go back to God. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. And God wants to forgive you. Somebody might need some forgiving right now. I want you to know you're still a son of God. You're still a daughter of God. He said, but we've been adopted into God's family and we were not adopted just by human blood or human flesh, but we are now adopted by the power of the spirit because of what Christ did. And, and we are now adopted into the family of God and we are considered co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, listen, that's important because we're not only children of God, but Jesus is the firstborn. 
Amen? He's the firstborn. So because he's the firstborn and God says we are co-heirs, he said he didn't say we're brothers of Jesus Christ, we're the younger brother of Jesus Christ, younger sister of Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. He said we're co-firstborn with Jesus. That's powerful. Let's say that with me, co-firstborn with Jesus. So, So listen to me. That means that God gives you and I the full rights of what Jesus gets, we get. Come on, somebody. That's powerful. I mean, listen to me. That's powerful. You see, he says, your daddy's rich. Your daddy owns everything. Your daddy is over everything. Your daddy is the king of the universe and beyond. Your daddy is Lord of lords and king of kings. And Paul tells this persecuted group of Christians, we have to suffer with Jesus in order so that we could also reign with him. Listen to what he says in verse 17. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you, if you want to be a Christian, you got to give something up. If you want to be a Christian, you've got to come alongside and you've got to be joined with Jesus Christ. And that means that if you're going to be joined with Jesus Christ, not only are you going to go on the mountaintops, but you're going to go in the valley with Jesus. You've got to go wherever Jesus goes. Guess what? Wherever Jesus goes, there's persecution. The Bible says if you want to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. But what's the reward? Listen, the reward is that you might go and be with Jesus. You might be glorified with Jesus. You might get what Jesus got. Come on, somebody. But you've got to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. Somebody say amen. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory. Everybody say glory. The glory that will be revealed in us. What is glory? Glory is the kingdom of God. Glory is all the blessings of God. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Anybody get frustrated in this room? Anybody turn to your neighbor right now and say, you frustrate me. Yeah, Angelo looked at Angelo and said, you frustrate me. We get frustrated. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated because here's the bottom line. The truth is I'm not as young as I used to be. And I get up in the morning and I wonder, did my wife beat me up in the middle of the night? I get frustrated because my body is changing. My life goes through difficulties. And every one of us in this room, we face frustrations in our life. Sometimes we pray and we don't get our answers the way we pray. Sometimes we've got to see people that we love suffer. Sometimes we've got to see people that we pray for die and go into heaven. Listen, that's frustrating to us. We want to change your circumstance. We want our circumstance to be the way we want it to be, and it's subject to frustration. Listen, it says not by its own choice, not by our own choice. We don't want the things that God makes us go through sometimes, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation, you and I, and everything around us itself will be liberated. Say liberated from its bondage to decay. You know what decay is? Getting old. And brought into, listen to me, 
the freedom and glory of the children of God. Freedom and glory. So Peter tells these persecuted Jewish believers, don't give up believing. He said, don't give up your faith. Don't allow yourself to get filled with fear and frustration. Don't allow the trials and situations that you cannot understand cause you to give up and throw in the towel. Now, these guys were really persecuted. I mean, listen, you can't even compare what we go through, what they were going through. They were being, they were being put to death. You know, you know what the church has lost today? The church has lost the understanding of suffering. The church has lost the understanding that if we give our lives to Christ, we're going to suffer. We're going to be persecuted. You see, because pastors and teachers all around the country, especially in America, are giving us a false doctrine. They're giving us a false gospel. Come to Jesus and you'll be blessed. Now, I'm going to talk about blessings in a moment. And it's the truth. You, you can be blessed. But the way they spin this whole thing, it's not even biblical anymore because it's all about here. They're talking about their blessing here and they're not recognizing the greater blessing is to come. Somebody say amen. And to get to the greater blessing, sometimes you got to go through suffering and trials and persecution. Come on, somebody. And so Christians get discouraged because a pastor tells them that they should be driving this incredible car, living in this incredible house, having all of this money in the bank with no pain, no problems, no situations in their life. They're more than conquerors, and I believe they're more than conquerors, but that's not what it was talking about. It's not talking about more money in the bank, more bigger houses and cars. Now, if you've got that, bless the Lord. Thank God that you've got all of those things. God has truly blessed you because every blessing comes from above. But friend, that's not what Peter is talking about here. So many Christians get discouraged because they don't have what somebody else has and they think, well, God is unfair to them. Listen, God is never going to be unfair to any of us because let me tell you, when we get to heaven, God's going to equalize it all. And there are going to be people that suffered on this side of eternity. They're going to be closer to the stage when the concert goes on. Come on, somebody. It's just the way it is. So, So he said, don't Let this get you down. Keep believing. Keep pressing in. Keep praying. Keep telling others about Jesus. Even if they take everything away from you, even if it costs you your life, Jesus, he never promised us that we would get everything in this lifetime. In fact, he said, if you're really a believer, if you really truly are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, somebody's going to hate you and somebody's going to persecute you. So that's why Paul said, Everyone who wants to live a godly life will face persecution. And there are people today, right now, as we're in this church and we're singing and we're rejoicing and we're sitting here in the comfortable seats in this church and the comfort of, of being a Christian in America. Listen to me. There are Christians all over the world, in particular in the Middle East, that are being hung. They're being crucified. They're being hacked to death simply because of one thing, because they're Christians. So please, please, it's really important that we mature in our faith. It's really important that we begin to pray for those that are persecuted, brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's really important that we stop whining. Why, why, why don't I have a brand new Cadillac? Why, why? These people don't even have fresh, clean drinking water. 
and simply because they've been put out of their homes because they said, Jesus is my Lord, and they're waiting for a better resurrection. They're waiting for a better reward in heaven. Somebody say amen, Glenn. You know, I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm going to tell you now. I'm just going to be honest. Here's the way God's going to equalize it all. We get it here, and some of us are blessed on the earth. And let me tell you, that's going to be good for a while. You're going to live to be 70, 80. Some of you look good. You look really good. You're going to live to be 90 years old. You're going to die, and you're going to have everything here because you weren't rich towards the things of God. And when you get to heaven, you're going to have your little shack in heaven. And that, that Christian that gave up his life for the gospel, he's going to have a big mansion. And it's not going to be for 90 years. It's going to be forever and ever and ever. What would you rather have? Come on. Jesus said, don't store your treasures here on earth because they're going to rust and fade away. That's why Peter reminds these Christians that were being persecuted, but you've got an inheritance, listen to me, that cannot fade, spoil, or perish. Wow. He said, because it's kept in heaven for you. He said, but along with the suffering, Peter tells them, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is not kept on earth. It's kept in heaven. Notice what he says in verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Peter says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. In what? In all of what? In all of the suffering, he says, you rejoice. In all of the pain and persecution, you can still sing. In all the problems that you face in your life, you can still rejoice in the Lord. And he says, and you're filled, listen to me, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. There's a joy that cannot be bought by the world and cannot be stolen by the devil. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. So maybe this morning you're going through all kinds of sickness in your body, or maybe you're going through all kinds of uh, difficulties with your marriage, whatever it may be. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe somebody that you love has gone on to heaven and your heart is filled with sorrow. Listen, verse seven, these have all come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which, listen to me, gold that perishes, that spoils and He said, there is something more important than gold and silver. He said, it is your faith that is being refined by the fire so that it may, listen to me, your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. I don't know about you. When Jesus is revealed, when the trumpet of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we that remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air and we see Jesus face to face when he is revealed. I want my faith to give God glory. I want my faith to give God praise. I want to shout and say, thank you, Jesus. I got it. I've got my reward. I've stored my stuff in heaven. Hallelujah. And nobody can take it away. Come on, somebody help me out today and praise the Lord with me. Peter declares, but you can still experience joy. In the midst of this, you can still experience peace and victory and power and faith. You can face, he said, Peter said, listen, you can face anything. 
You can face any valley, any fiery trial. You can face persecution, situations that, you, that cause you at times to wonder, does God really make sense? You know, I was with a couple just this week in, in counseling, and I, I, and I told a couple, I said, I know you've been through so much, and sometimes God just doesn't make sense. He doesn't. Did you ever notice sometimes God doesn't make sense to you? Sometimes even theologically, you can't figure out why did God allow something to happen? I mean, you got your theology down, you know, and, and still God doesn't answer the prayer exactly the way you prayed that prayer. That's, that's the whole story of Job. You know, people criticize Job, but Job was just saying, God, uh, the, theologically, I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm not supposed to go through all these problems in my life. I'm not supposed to have everything taken away from me because theologically, back then, they believed that if you do what is right and Job did what is right. What did God say about Job? He was the most what? Godly, righteous man on the face of the earth. That's pretty good. That's doing pretty good. And that's why Job, he never cursed God, but he cursed the day that he was born. That's why Job had such a hard time. That's why Job actually started arguing with God. And God said, okay, that's enough, Job. Let's go out into the field and let's figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Let's duke it out, right? And by the time that was done, Job was like, I give up. I, I cry uncle. Okay, I got it now. You know, God says, do you understand this? Do you understand that? Do you understand this? Do you understand how I created this? Do you understand why I do this? No, I don't understand. Okay, so then I don't owe you an explanation as to why I've allowed certain things to happen in your life. God doesn't owe you or me an explanation when we're going through something. Why? Because he gives us the destination. He doesn't give us the explanation, but he gives us the destination. And the destination is always glory. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, that was so good. Write it down. I might forget that one. Woo! See, we've all said God doesn't make sense, but Peter tells us the secret of living in joy and peace, the secret of living in victory, in faith and in power is to keep our eyes, listen to me, to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes on our future inheritance. He said, never lose focus on what God is preparing for those who love him. Never lose your focus on what God has promised to you. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. Notice what happens in Hebrews chapter 11. You have two groups of people. You have one group of people that they encountered deliverance immediately. They prayed and they were delivered from death. You have another group of people that were persecuted and they were put to death and the Bible says together, both groups, okay, who, who received immediate deliverance and those that didn't receive any deliverance together, the Bible says they were looking for a new city and they were putting all their hopes in a better resurrection. In fact, the Bible says, and those people, this earth is not even worthy of. If you read the book of Hebrews, all of those people, that's why Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, begins with faith is being sure, being positive. Faith is having this incredible hope and being positive that we're going to see what we are hoping for in the future. And if we already have it, then it's not hope, right? Huh? Come on, help me out. So faith is the evidence of things not seen and the certainty of things hoped for in the future. That's how it starts. And then there's a list of people 
two groups of people, one who received miracles instantly and those who were praying and didn't receive until they got to heaven. And it says, and all of them, though, all together were waiting for something better. That's what vision is. Vision is a picture of a preferred future. So I truly believe that most Christians have lost their sense of inheritance. They don't know what really belongs to them as children of God, and they've lost their focus on eternity. They've forgotten how blessed they really are. So, so Peter tells these believers, I know you've given up so much to follow Christ, and I know you've gone through so much pain and suffering just to even follow my example. He said, but don't ever give up hope of future inheritance. Because you have today, not only do you have a future inheritance, but you've got a now inheritance as well. And so the truth is we as believers have become so shallow. And we, we run after the riches of this world and we've lost our true understanding of our inheritance in Christ. And the truth is we have traded our eternal for the temporal. How do I know that? Because the church is so, as the Bible says in, Laod, in Revelations, the church of Laodicea said they're so rich, they're so incredibly rich, and yet they're wretched, blind, poor, naked, and they need some healing. And why? Because I look at the church today, and it's so anemic. It's so powerless. It's so prayerless. It lacks generosity. We don't really care about the other person. It's about me. In fact, when we come to church, it's about bless me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And yet the truth of the matter, and I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me today. And I look at a totally different church that I see in the New Testament. They had nothing, but they had everything. They were not powerful in the eyes of the world, but in the spirit realm, they, they possessed spiritual authority. They were rich in the things of God. They were rich in the fruit of the Spirit. They were rich in the love of God. They were rich in peace and joy. You couldn't take that joy away from them. It was amazing. You can hang them on a cross and they'd still be singing and worshiping the Lord. Today, a Christian has a thumbnail, has a problem. Ah, yeah, my God's not fair. I mean, come on, folks. And if we're going to weather the storms of life and we're going to go through life with joy that is deeper than our problems and peace that goes deeper than our suffering, then we're going to have to go a little deeper in understanding who we are and where our inheritance really lies. So Jesus said, don't store up your treasures on earth, but store them in heaven. So never forget, he said, what you've been given, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So... So what does that inheritance look like? Give me 15 minutes to give you a few things that we've inherited immediately as Christians. Are you ready? Write this down. This is important. Write it down. Take out your phones. Check in at Bethlehem Assembly of God. Send it out. Say, the first thing I have inherited as a Christian, listen to me, is God himself. This is powerful. Listen to me. Our greatest reward is not what we get. It's who we know. Never forget that, that our inheritance includes God himself. You see, God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham to leave everything behind and follow him. Now, notice, God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. Listen what he says. 
He tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and your sons will inherit great wealth. But never forget, Abraham, I am your greatest reward. Listen to what he says. After this, Genesis 17, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham, to trust me. Do not be afraid to leave everything behind. Do not be afraid to follow me wherever I lead you. Why? He said, because I am, listen to me, your shield and your very great reward. Friend, I want to tell you today, the greatest reward you have today as a child of God is you've got the very presence of God in your life. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and the Hebrew says this, it, listen to me, super abundant blessings come from knowing and being with God. That's your very great reward. Just think of it for a moment. The Old Testament, they could not have access to God, but we have access to the very throne room of God. And the greatest reward we have is that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That he'll walk with us, and we get to know God personally, intimately. In fact, I'm reminded of when Joshua was actually divvying up the land. You remember, now they get into the promised land. And Joshua says to this tribe, to the tribe of Naphtali, you have this. And to the tribe of Ephraim, you have this. He said, but listen to me. To the Leviticus tribe or the Levitical tribe, he says, you don't get land. Listen to me. He says, you don't get land. He says, because I am your very inheritance. So, so, so Joshua, listen to me. This is powerful. Joshua is saying, you can have land, you can have land, you can have land, you get to have God. <laughs> you can have land, you can have land, you get to be in the very presence of God. The, Levit the Levitical priesthood, they got to go into the very presence of God and be with God. Let me tell you something, friend. I like things, but I'd rather have God than things because things are going to rot away. And friend, here's where, as the firstborn, as we inherit all things, we get to walk with God. We get to be in the very presence of God. We get to worship God. We get to be intimate with God. We get to hear his voice every day in our life. We get the presence of God. Somebody say, I'm excited because I have inherited the very presence of God. I love what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. Remember, because we're the sons of God, children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, he said this, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to all these problems? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how we not also, along with this, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Didn't we sing that just a couple of minutes ago? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we're put to death all day long we are considered like sheep to the slaughter no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor present things nor future things nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus 
your greatest reward today. Listen to me. I know we want things, but our greatest reward is that God never leaves you. God's always there, and he becomes to us our greatest inheritance, our greatest reward. The second thing, our inheritance includes every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I want you to notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. He said, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what he said. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you might participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Our inheritance includes everything we need to live a godly life. Wow. Our inheritance includes the ability to participate in God's divine nature so we get God and we get his nature. Hallelujah. We don't become God but we become like God. That's powerful. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. They're going through suffering and problems, and Peter reminds them, but listen, remind yourself, you've been called, you've been chosen, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy people, you're God's own possession, and as a result of that, listen, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says to these believers, reflect on who you are and what you have. Never forget that you've been chosen, elected, and called because one day, listen to what he says, you will be welcomed into the richness of God's eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Our inheritance includes God giving us access to Jesus Christ so we can ask anything in his name because we've been given. Listen to me. Not only have we been given the presence of God, not only have we been blessed with every spiritual blessing, but we've also been given, listen to me, as an inheritance, the name of Jesus. Wow. And what does Jesus say? He says, and if you pray anything in my name, it shall be done. When's the last time you thank God simply for the name of Jesus. I mean, the Bible says, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And because we've been given the name of Jesus, we can go into the very presence of God Almighty. And Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, it shall be done. So, so the name of Jesus not only gives us access into the presence of God, but the name of Jesus gives us power over our enemy. The name of Jesus gives us the right to ask God for miracles and provision in our life. And the name of Jesus gives us the faith to go boldly into the throne room of grace to receive what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. Come on, somebody. Number four, our inheritance includes God's willingness to give us above and beyond what we could ever think or imagine. I love what Paul says. He says, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. Jesus said, because of this incredible inheritance, he said, you can ask and it will be given to you. You can seek 
and you will find. You can knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, I love this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good gifts to them who ask? It's the how much mores of God in the Bible. How much more will your heavenly Father give you what you need and beyond? Number five, our inheritance includes spiritual authority. Jesus said that you are the recipient of my spiritual authority. You're the benefactor of my spiritual authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. And he says, and now I'm giving it to you for the purpose of going into all the world to preach the gospel because I have the kingdom and I have the keys to the kingdom and I give them to you. So we have spiritual authority. So what do we have? Let's kind of go back again. Number one, we've got God himself. Number two, we've got every spiritual blessing that God has given us. Number three, we've got the name of Jesus. Number four, God blesses us beyond our wildest imagination, not only here, but in the future. Number five, we've got spiritual authority. Friend, you should not be destroyed. You should not be distraught. You should not be discouraged because your enemy cannot defeat you. Why? Because you've got spiritual authority over your enemy. How do I know that? Because, because, listen to me, our inheritance includes being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Listen, close your eyes for a moment. I want to speak this scripture over you right now. Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us as the worship team comes, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when you were dead in your transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God, keep your eyes closed, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You, my friend, have been seated in heavenly places with Christ. What does it mean to be seated in heavenly places with Christ? It means you share in the authority of Christ in your life. The enemy cannot destroy you. The enemy cannot defeat you. He might be able to touch you because God has allowed something to refine you, to make you stronger, wiser, and more filled with faith, but he cannot destroy you. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this is the faith that overcomes, or this is the thing that overcomes the world, even our faith. You are the head. You're not the tail. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. There's no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. Why? Because you have an inheritance from God. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our inheritance includes healing. Now, healing comes in a lot of different ways. Healing comes spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. And guess what? Here's what the Bible says. By his stripes, you've been healed. So maybe you need healing today. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need relational healing. Maybe you need emotional healing. I want you to know by his stripes, God is healing you and wants you to claim that healing in your life. Number eight, our inheritance includes the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says, Ephesians chapter one. 
It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed the message of salvation, found yourself home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You've been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. This, this signet ring or signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us as praise and glory and honor goes to God. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, has been given to you, the Bible says, as a guarantee of things to come, of your great inheritance. The Holy Spirit has been given to you as a signet ring to signify more is coming. Hallelujah. God's, God's about to bless you in ways that you can never imagine. And lastly, as we close this out, our inheritance includes eternal life. Listen to me. I want you all to stand to your feet. Matthew chapter 25 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Christian, close your eyes for a minute again. Never lose sight of your great inheritance. Because if you lose sight of your great inheritance... You will get discouraged, distracted, filled with fear. The devil will steal your peace and joy. And you'll run after riches that will drag your soul to hell. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? In 1952, Florence Chadwick attempted to swim 26 miles between Catalina Island and the Carolina coastline. Listen to me. As she began to get closer and closer to the, to, the, to the shore, it was so foggy like this morning. Look at me. It was so foggy like this morning that she couldn't see in front of her. She was one mile away from the shore. But because she couldn't see the shore, she told her mother that was in the boat, and there were sharks in the water, and there were gentlemen with rifles, that was shooting at sharks as she was going through this incredibly difficult journey swimming to the other side. She had a goal to get to the other side. But the fog was so dense that she lost her sight of the coast. She lost her sight of the finish line. And as a result, she got discouraged. She was pulled out of the water. She didn't know she was one mile away from the shore. She said, if I knew I was one mile away from the shore, I would have kept on swimming. Two years later, she got into the same... Uh, boat uh, in the water in the same place and she made it all the way to the other side thick fog same sharks in the water same distractions same muscle pain but she made it all the way to the end why because she had a mental picture I'm going to make it to the end even if it's foggy even if there's sharks in the water she had a mental picture of what she was swimming towards friend I want you to close your eyes right now and I want you to get that mental picture one day the trumpet of God shall sound and the dead in Christ will rise and we that remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air. I want you to get that mental picture in your mind that when you get to heaven, your greatest reward is God Almighty himself. When you get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. When you get to heaven, you're going to see the glories of everything that you've ever hoped for, you've ever dreamed for. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him but you've got to keep your eyes on your inheritance. Father, Lord, I know that there's some people that are watching via live stream today 
in parts of the world that they're not allowed to really share their faith with other people, Lord. God, I pray for those that are watching in Dubai right now. Lord, I pray for that sister that watches each week from Dubai, that you would encourage her heart today and her family members, Lord, and, and those that gather around that are Christians that are, are, are going through difficult times, Lord. I pray you encourage them right now. Lord, we pray for those that are in the Middle East, oh God, our brothers and sisters that are giving their life, God. We don't even understand that, God. Lord, we pray that we would be so much more generous, Lord, with our money, so much more generous with our time and our finances, Lord, knowing, Lord God, that this world is passing away, God, and our cars are going to rot and our homes are going to rot, Father. And the only thing that really matters is how generous we've been for the kingdom, Lord God. As your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. And Lord, some of those things are not added here. They're added in heaven, Father God. I pray for the person that's here today that lost their loved one, Father, and they, their heart is broken, God, because they miss their loved one so much, Lord. Father, help them to keep their eyes on eternity. Help them to keep their eyes on heaven, God. And Lord, I pray for the young person, God, who's just about to sell their birthright, Lord. Lord, to turn over their birthright, Lord God. Maybe it's a birthright of virginity, Lord. Maybe it's a birthright of being in the kingdom, Lord. Maybe it's a birthright of the purpose and destiny that God has for their life. But Lord, because of the pressure, Lord, they're about to give up their birthright, Lord God. Father, today, Lord, stave it off, God, and help them to recognize, Lord, to hold on to that which is so precious, Lord, that it cannot, be, uh, it cannot fade away, Lord, cannot perish, cannot be stolen from the enemy. And God, help all of us Christians today to grow, Lord, to grow deep in your word. I pray that every one of us would sign up for a class and that we would go deeper in the word. We would be educated in the word, Father, so that when the enemy comes, we'll not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We thank you for that, Lord. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life. I need to store up my treasures in heaven. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. God bless you. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Yeah, God bless you. Others that are here, God bless you. Others that are here. There's some folks that are going to be standing in the front right here. They're counselors. And if you raise your hand, somebody wants to pray with you. Somebody wants to give you some information about how you can be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need a miracle in my life. I need healing in my body. I need to recognize my spiritual inheritance and claim it. Listen to me. You got to go and claim your inheritance. And sometimes you got to claim your healing. Sometimes you got to claim your marriage. And sometimes you got to claim your rights as a Christian. And that's important to do that. Because you've got a great inheritance, but you've got to claim it. It's in the will. you got to go and claim it. But you need somebody to claim it with you. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, anything is possible. And so if you'd like some prayer this morning, our prayer warriors are going to be here as well. You can come forward and receive prayer. Now, God, I pray for all those that are here today. God, bless us. Help us to remember what the word said to us today. Help us to live by it, keeping our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Have a great day in Jesus. We love you. Don't forget.